This is Learn It From An 80s Song. I am your coach, Patricia Freiberg. This is I Love the 80s meets the healing of storytelling and the positive impact of music. Inspiring guests share their powerful stories, yielding incredible strengths. Through both story and music, this podcast will elevate your mood, providing you with a positive outlook. It will ignite recall so that you can tap into your own life experiences. We don't just hear the knowledge and wisdom gained from our podcast guests. Through powerful story, we can live it. Please give a warm welcome to Lorena Abreu. She is a professional parkour competitor where she's won several awards and performed in many shows. Some of these shows include The Eighth Voyage of Sinbad. It's a stunt show in uh, Universal Orlando. She played the princess. She performed with Cirque du Soleil, TKO, Exceltlon, Estados Unidos, where she uh, won the title for the best female and came in third place overall. Through yeah, best in my team. Best in your team. <laughs> That's you. best in her team. She's, she is a rock star. Through her work, she's also been represented in some huge athletic brands, including Adidas and Asics. Most recently, she is the host of a brand new show called TBD The Link. Welcome, Lorena. We are so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for that extremely generous introduction. <laughs> thank you very much, Patricia. What I've learned about Lorena is she's extremely humble. I first met her, and I want to tell the story of how I met her. She and I take improv classes at Second City in Hollywood. And when I, my first impression of her was that beyond her talent, because she's ridiculously talented, was her work ethic. And that is why I wanted to bring her on today was because it was so obvious to see like how hard she works based on like how she shows up. Like when she shows up, she is on, she is there to do the work. And I couldn't have been more um, impressed by this young woman. So thanks again for being here. And we're, we're so, so happy to have you. Thank you so much. And I could say the absolute best for you. You are really impressive in improv. Like I told you, you look like you're already on SNL. <laughs> <laughs> you're very kind, Lorena. <laughs> but there is nothing like for audience, for our audience here, you know, there is nothing more intimidating to me than um, getting up there and not having a script and not oh, knowing man. what's next. I mean, I don't even know what to say, but you've got, you know, those of you who have ever wanted to try it, go take some classes. It really is. It's a lot of fun. It is. Absolutely. I'm, I'm nodding my head like they can see me doing that in the yeah, podcast, same. but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are nodding our heads. <laughs> um, all right. So we are here to talk about music and how it resonates with a certain story in your life that was impactful. Now, we have a big reveal that's about ready to happen because Lorena is going to tell her what her inspiring song is. It is the song I've been doing for karaoke since I was 11 years old. Don't stop believing. Yes. My journey. <laughs> tell us your story. Okay. 
Well, Patricia, you asked me if there was a, an 80s song that I could relate to a particular moment in my life that was a big growing moment and a challenging, <laughs> difficult moment. And it absolutely does. Don't Stop Believing, a small town girl living in a lonely world. It invokes this feeling of isolation, loneliness, feeling like you're in out of your head. Then, of course, the chorus comes in, Don't Stop Believing, <laughs> which I was just about to try to explain it, but that's, it's quite literal, isn't it? <laughs> so I really relate that song to a part of my life when I was competing in a reality show mm. that you included in my introduction called Exatlon Estados Unidos. And it's just about, well, it was the most batshit crazy thing I've ever done. <laughs> um, so... This is basically American Ninja Warrior meets Wipeout meets Survivor. And it works just about as well as it seems it would. <laughs> so this is a competition that is shot in the island of the Dominican Republic, which is coincidentally where I'm from. And it takes two teams, a red team and a blue team of male and female athletes and has us compete against each other, team against team, in obstacle course races in the sand. And there's a good house and a bad house. So in the first season, the bad house didn't have a shower. You slipped on a mat on the floor and it was crappy and they gave you very little food. Part of an element of the show wasn't survival necessarily. It was just deprivation. So if you were losing, you'd end up in the bad house, you and your whole team. If you were winning, you ended up with the good house, which had showers, a bed. And it was all swanky looking and a mansion for the sake of the reality show. And either way, both teams were isolated or with no communication to the outside world or our families or anything. So I was on this show for four months because I managed to make it to the very bitter end. <laughs> and it is definitely a don't stop believing moment because there were many times when I for various reasons, when I was just about ready to leave. <laughs> it's incredible so, that you, under all of those conditions, are such an incredible survivor, you know, in, in that moment. And, and you are an athlete. And, you know, there's so many um, things we can explore with this. But I'd love to know what is so interesting to me is how people in those moments of, of tough times how the, what's going through their minds, and then how do they get to the other side? And I think especially with COVID-19 and everything that's going on for our listeners right now, I think mm -hmm. that that's really important. So when you were at rock bottom, you're starving, all right? And I, I don't know about you, mm -hmm. but like, I need to eat. You know, I'm a 5'11 girl, I'm athletic, yeah. <laughs> uh, I am an athlete as well, and you know, have been, and I, yeah, like for sure. sustenance is everything. And if I can't get a meal in, I'm not happy, <laughs> just not a happy camper, yeah. not alone. And that's messing with the basic need, right? But tell us more yeah. about that. Yeah, so uh, we weren't completely starved, but we were given very, very little food. And they would do some funny things like my team was just destroying the other team <laughs> for like something ridiculous, like almost two months, we kept the other team out of the good house. Wow. But we noticed at one point they were giving, it seemed like they were giving the other team more food than us, even though we were in the good house, which I didn't really, I didn't really mind. I don't think anyone should be given little food, but 
So that contributed more to the distrust, anxiety, paranoia, psychological stress that that I was under because I'm generally very trusting of people, especially having worked in really professional productions before. I did not anticipate the level of utter mismanagement there was on certain things that are very fundamentally important. Uh, Without, I did better with being hungry than I anticipated I would. When I knew that I was going into the show, I was like, man, I wonder how long I'll last, like two weeks. Like, I wonder if I just wouldn't be able to handle it. I love food. Right. (laughs) And I hate mosquitoes and I hate sand. I don't know how I did this show, man. I hate sand. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I hate it. Um, But I actually, I drink, I drink lots and lots of water. So, you know, I was peeing a lot. (laughs) That's for all of you guys to know, (laughs) listening to the podcast. And I chewed very, very slowly. And my father told me something before I left. He said, El hambre que espera hartura no es hambre. He said, The hunger that awaits a feast is not real hunger. Hmm. So I knew that the reality show was going to end. It has an end date, and it's either when I'm eliminated or when it ends. So I could absolutely, I dealt with the hunger just fine psychologically. Yeah. My body suffered quite a bit as a result of it, but I've always been taught to be grateful mm-hmm. for everything that I have, the way my parents raised me, mm-hmm. but you gain an entirely new perspective on the world when you experience some hardship for yourself, even though it was temporarily, even though it was only a taste of what it's like to feel hungry and right. stay hungry for a long time even though it was the first time I ever actually felt depressed. It was the first time I had gone few consecutive days in a row without feeling a shred of happiness. I've had the privilege of never having felt that in my life. But there are some people out there whose hunger doesn't have an end date, Mm -hmm. whose depression doesn't have an end date, Mm -hmm. that needs Mm -hmm. constant management. And I've always counted my blessings, but this just gave me an absolutely insanely deeper, you know, sense of empathy and understanding for how lucky I really am and how shitty (laughs) so many people, unfortunately, have it. Right. Frankly. Right. It's amazing how in that time of when you were depressed and when you had all of that going on, that your perspective was about having more empathy. And that, that speaks volumes of of, uh, of who you are as a person, as a human being. Tell us a little bit more about like, what was your mindset that don't stop believing? How did you get yourself out of it? How did you do it? Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I think I, I kind of went off the rails with my last response. But in my case, it was friendship and family in spite of isolation, which I think is so important, especially now. You know, they say it all the time on TV. It's kind of catchy. Social distancing doesn't mean, what is it? Doesn't mean like physically distancing doesn't mean social distancing, something like that, you know? So we won a prize uh, early on in the show in which we got to see a video message from our family at home, you know, to lift our spirits. And my family's video they, I had no idea if anyone was even watching this thing. It was on six days a week for two hours. I was like, my own mom isn't going to watch this. I wouldn't watch this. <laughs> they showed basically everyone in my entire community at home in Texas 
wearing a blue shirt with my freaking face on it that my oh mom my hired. I just got goosebumps. Just doing got goosebumps. the little celebratory dances that I would do. Yeah. At the end of each uh, race, I would do, you know, the little internet dances. Yes. yes. And so they did those dances and did wow. porras for me, which is just Spanish for a cheer. A cheer. Oh, and that yes. video was it. If it wasn't, if it wasn't for that, I don't know if I would have stayed on the show. I didn't stay on for myself. Mm-hmm at all. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I was, I was lucky enough to be thinking about my family and friends and community that were out there having a great time watching the show, cheering me on. I really wanted to do my best for them. And that doesn't mean stress myself out to win. That means just do my best because I feel like they deserve my best. But I also had a really great team. My blue team was the bomb. Wow. We just got so lucky that our chemistry was perfection. We talked to each other every day on a group chat in WhatsApp and on a group chat in Instagram. Like we became a legitimate family. We were quarantined together for four months and we're quarantined. Isn't that interesting? If you think about the juxtaposition and you're bringing up so many, so many nuggets in there about how the connection to your family is what kept you going. And, yeah, even and, if I wasn't talking to them all the time, that memory, when he says, hold on to that feeling, I just remembered how that video made me feel. That was it. I was like, okay, I'm doing it for them. And I would feel my emotion, process it, and then I was able to pretty much numb it, turn it off, and do the job that I had to do. Wow, wow. And, and the fact that uh, you did have such a cheering squad at home keeping you going as really, well. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that boils all down to like connection. And it feels like you've mentioned it twice. You mentioned it with your team, the connection you had with your team, and you referenced them as a family. And then you also talked about your family, yeah. immediate family and extended family, all there with open arms, like supporting you, rooting for you. And you could feel that support and that connection. And I feel like during this time right now, I mean, this couldn't be a more full circle. If you think about the topic that you're bringing up and, and as like, what, what is keeping us going right now? There is yeah. a, lot, a lot happening. And I feel that that connection with family that we're having in, in my personal family with my two boys and my husband and how we're really together. And that's what's keeping us going on a day-to-day basis, you know, because we've all like, trust me, in our household, we have had our ups and downs. I mean, we've had our rock bottom moments yeah. through this and, and it's like, okay, one foot in front of the other. How do I keep going? I want to ask you another question in regard to that. What strengths did you gain from that experience? If you're looking back at that four months of time, I know empathy was a, a huge one, both from the mental health perspective and then also from the perspective mm-hmm. of food and basic needs that people need to have. What strengths from that time do you uh, take into 2020? Tell us a little about that. Well, definitely uh, a tolerance for discomfort and suffering sounds really dramatic, but for lack of a better word (laughs) for me to think of at the moment, a real tolerance for pain and discomfort and suffering that I did not know that I had before. So now I feel pretty much ready for everything. I've been hungry, you know, as a result of that, of being hungry for four months, that led to obviously nutritional deficiencies and some things that sometimes happens in 
female athletes, particularly who do a high impact sport and are not properly nourished Mm -hmm. is they develop stress fractures. Mm -hmm. So over the past, since I discovered it way later though, like nine months later, because I didn't know the difference between stress fractures and shin splints. So, Oh yeah, I'm still, that was in 2018. Mm. And yeah, still still nursing back eight, eight cracks in my tibias. (laughs) Wow. Eight. Wow. Yeah. So definitely uh, tolerance for pain and discomfort that I had not previously known that I'd had. And quite frankly, a tolerance for bullshit and being able to dance monkey dance. In the beginning, I had some grievances with the producers and I don't want to paint the entire production as bad. There were a lot of people behind the scenes Mm -hmm. that were wonderful, that were very caring. Yeah. Around that time when, when I hit one of my, I had like two or three pronounced low points in the show. I think after my first low point, when I noticed this, you know, they weren't interviewing me and I wasn't being cooperative with them. I had to dig down deep and think, okay, what am I doing here? This is a TV show. Like I came here to be on TV. Do I want to do it or not do it? And I thought of the prize. I thought of my family and I thought, and I decided, okay, I want to do it. So what does that mean? That means I have to suck it up and play their games even if I think it's not fair. I can't have it both ways. I can't have my cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. If I want to do the show, that means I play their rules. Mm-hmm. So I apologized and I, I did flick off a <laughs> cameraman once that wasn't... I, 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 had, I had some responsibility to bear, you know. <laughs> well, I think, you know, that's where Don't Stop Believing, you know, comes in because, yeah. you know, through this, I, I mean, it sounds like you went on a roller coaster of emotion and, and anytime, I mean, think about it, you know, when we're deprived of sleep, you know, any new mom out there knows what it feels like to be deprived of sleep. Oh, um, man. And, and what it feels, <laughs> yeah. you know, and also in addition to that, like not having food or not having it. I think that right now, in particular with COVID-19 and a lot of us uh, really struggling, I think your message of don't stop believing and continuing to just keep going and think about those connections you have with your family and your friends and just never giving up, just never giving up. Yeah, absolutely. And my heart really goes out to all the people that are quarantining right now by themselves mm-hmm. or in close quarters with people they don't really like, <laughs> which is a reality for a lot of people. And if you know of someone that you know is alone in a studio, you know, in a city, mm-hmm. now's the time to reach out to everyone and see how everyone's doing. Because in my lowest point, psychologically, physically, and isolation-wise, that's what propelled me forward. That was the gas in the engine. It was family and my teammates. Wonderful. Yeah, that's a great message. And that's, you know, that brings me up to a couple of my friends who knew I know are living alone. And I'm going to reach out to them today. And I think that's a great action item for our audiences today. It's number one is, is, is really practicing that empathy. Everyone is in a different situation through this and, and really honoring that. In addition to that, reaching out to those folks that are alone. Because I know, Lorena, you were able to get out of California and to be in Texas with your family during this time, which was really nice. Yeah, that was really nice. My dad is actually a pulmonary and critical care doctor. Oh. So he saw this whole thing coming before most other people did, as you can imagine. 
yeah. news in the medical community. He yes. told me a few days before everything started getting really shut down. Hey, Lorena, come to Texas. And I thought he was exaggerating at first. Right. You know, I thought, okay, this is bad. We need to be careful. But are they really going to shut things down? Is there really the possibility of, you know, closing businesses? But of course, I just, I trust my parents blindly. Yes. So I just yes. flew over here and thank goodness I did. The very next day, that was it. <laughs> right, right. I got yeah. so lucky. Yeah. Oh, and something lucky. else I... Something else I'd like to add really quick that I learned in Exit Lawn is yeah. that we have so many hours in the freaking day. Yes. You know, being there without a phone, without distractions, without emails to check. Yeah. It was a sensation I'd never felt before to not have something pending, not have wow. something to work on. Wow. So, yeah, now ever since Exit Lawn, even before quarantine, I've basically have been trying to make the most of every hour of every day. And I've gotten so much done. Oh, that's Crazy. incredible. Yeah. I've been bullet journaling for years, but now it's, now it's like a rock solid system. Wonderful. And it was, yeah. and it was that experience that really made me realize how much more efficient I could be with my hours. Well, that's exactly, I mean, even in this time, it's like we can still continue to work toward things and journaling is such a powerful thing and we have time to reflect yeah. right now. And this is why I felt like this podcast was a, a good time to have it because story is so impactful and everybody um, that's listening to the story here, Lorena, you know, they're, they're relating to their own lives and when they've hit rock bottom and what it took to get them out of those, those struggles and those times. So I really appreciate you sharing your story today. And, and um, thank you so much. Yes. So also, I want to talk a little bit about all things 80s before we wrap up. I understand yes. that you have a collection of a certain item from uh, the 80s. And I'd love you to tell us about that. Obnoxiously bright windbreakers. Yes. I've, had a, <laughs> I've yes. had a fascination with them. For those of you who aren't watching, I don't know if this will be available to watch. I'm sure it will. Uh, yes. But I'm, I'm wearing one right now with just enough green that it doesn't key. <laughs> right. But I've had a fascination with them since I was in high school, but I just couldn't find them anywhere. I yeah. couldn't find them anywhere. It wasn't until years later, uh, I was in Canada when I was working for the circus <laughs> and I got my first one at a thrift shop. And... When I was in Exathlon, they actually invited me back to be a coach on the second season. Oh, wow. And yeah, without any of the crappy part, just the cool <laughs> coaching part. So. Coaching part. That's uh, wonderful. Yeah. I rented a four-wheeler and I found another amazing bright 80s windbreaker on a street. You know, some dude was selling it dirty. Like, shout out to the tourists that forgot it there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I love the jacket. I mean, if you could see it, uh, audience, it has got stripes. It's got <laughs> color blocking. It's purple. It's green. All the colors of the rainbow. It is super bright and um, actually works really well with uh, her show. Tell us, Lorena, a little bit about your show and how we can find you. Yes. So now... Now that I've been nursing my injury, I got really lucky and just completely out of the blue landed <laughs> a hosting job for a new TV show. So this show is called TBD's The Link. And what I'm doing in this show 
it's taking you down a spiral of related internet clips. So I don't know if you've ever gone on the internet and watched a video and then clicked on the related video and then clicked on the related one for that and then just kept going until you ended up somewhere completely different from where you started. So that's literally what this show is. Wow. <laughs> but wow. each episode also has an original sketch. Oh, very the, cool. The one that just came out actually had a working from home sketch, which I don't, I can't tell if it aged poorly or really well. <laughs> uh, so, That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. So the show is super fun. Yes. And I would love to invite you all to check it out, even if it's just because you have literally nothing better to do right now. Yes. So TBD is the link. <laughs> comes out every Saturday at 10, 9 central on the TBD channel, which oh. is a digital antenna channel. But you can also watch it online at tbd.com. They have of their live stream right there. You could watch it in perfect HD quality, watch the channel. And it's also on demand. So you can catch up on any episodes you missed or just watch it whenever you feel like it at tbd.com. And the show's called TBD's The Link. Very good, Loretta. I can't tell you what a pleasure it has been. And we will definitely be checking out that show, all of us, the audience. Audience, please reach out to somebody you know that's living by themselves today. We want everybody to feel connected uh, during this time. And once again, yeah. Loretta, thanks again for, uh, for coming on today. Everything that you ever needed to know, you learn from an 80s song. Thank you so much for listening. We want to hear from you. First of all, tell us how these totally rad stories have inspired you. If you have a story with an 80s song inspiration, we want to hear it. You think this podcast is like totally tubular? Well, we would love your review. Stay connected with us on Podopolo and download the app today. Visit me at www.patriciafreiberg.com. Thank you, and we look forward to a double boost of inspiration next Motivational Music Monday.